Welcome to the last episode of season one of The Doctor Says. I'm Shreya. I'm Iman. And I'm Zalak. We're three college best friends sharing our journey in medicine. So on today's episode, we will be talking about the application process for medical school. So me and Iman have actually gone through this process twice, and Zalak went through it once. So we have a lot of, you know, thoughts, comments, concerns, and pieces of advice for anyone listening. Yeah, I applied once and that was really, really, really stressful. So kudos to both of you for doing it twice. It was really hard. And I have to say, Shreya really pushed me my second time around. I told her after my first time, that's it. I'm not going to apply again. And she was like, no, we work so hard. We have to give it another shot. We can't just back out right now. So thank you, Shreya. Yeah, no, and actually Iman's giving like the nice version of it. I was like, shut up. No, you you didn't go through four years of all of this just to back out when you're like right there. You know, you're like so close. It's just one more obstacle. And I was like, ain't no way. Ain't no way I'm letting you give up when you've made it this far. Um, Yeah, and Shreya and Iman personally, both of them helped me throughout like the entire application process. With my personal statement, Shreya came so in clutch secondaries iman came so in clutch and it's like without them i don't know how i would have been able to do it because i mentioned in um, a previous episode that i applied really late after my post program started so i was doing the program and applying while at that time studying for the mcat as well as taking classes and so i am so grateful for both of them that they helped me through that because it was a crazy time i like can't even remember it it's like a blackout period for me I mean, you guys can't obviously can't like see us right now because this is audio only, but me and Iman are cheesing so hard just because like the three of us, despite all of our different paths and different obstacles that we faced on our own, we still managed to get into medical school at the same time by complete chance. You know, like we did not plan this, but it just so worked out that way. And, you know, we're sitting here with you guys on the last episode of our first season, which is crazy to think that just like three months ago this idea came in like iman came up with this idea as like a joke kind of she was like what if she oh no she said guys if we started a podcast together it would be called the doctor says because sez shreya iman zalag and i was reading her text and i was like why not (laughs) like wait yeah i i don't see any reason why we can't do this and from there we just kind of you know started planning and none of us had any idea like how to do a podcast, but we've been learning. And uh, I think it's safe to say that we've done a pretty decent job, I would say. Um, we definitely um, had some technical difficulties in the beginning. Um, oh, yeah. And some issues trying to figure out how to just like go about the logistics of this. But here we are. So it's really nice. Yeah. So, um, and also thank you guys for sticking through and, you know, listening to these episodes and supporting us. The amount of messages all three of us have gotten from our friends just saying like, you know, really looking forward to the next episode or, um, you know, it's just really nice to hear like the three of you and your journeys. Like it's so supportive and we couldn't have asked for anything better. So thank you to all of you who listen and support us every step of the way. And we plan to continue this. Hopefully there will be a season two. So any feedback um, that you want to give us, we are open to hearing anything. Um, So yeah, you know, our DMs are always open. We have an email. Um, But yeah, thank you guys. 
And I want to add, we are talking about our journey in medicine, but we're also open to discussing our college experience as well for mm -hmm. any high schoolers out there that want to know more about the application process. Like, you know, we have gone through an undergrad application cycle and a med school application cycle. And so if you're coming into college and, you know, you think you want to do medicine and pursue it, we can tell you about the similarities and differences between the two processes because there are, you know, applying to medical school is a whole new ball game, And that is what we're going to get into in this episode. So the first thing we will be discussing for this episode is the timeline of events. So when the applications will open, when to start writing your personal statement, when to start acquiring your letters of recommendation and things like that. Um, so applications open the first week of May, AMCAS, TMDSAS, which is the Texas application and ACOMAS. Those are the three main ones. So AMCAS, that application system is for MD schools specifically. TMDSAS is for all the Texas schools except the one DO school in San Antonio, UIW. And ACOMAS is all DO schools. So they're all separated by whether you want to do MD or DO. And they all open the first week of May, but the first day that you can submit it will be the end of May. So uh, I think there's one more school that isn't a part of TMDSAS, but it is a part of AMCAS. So it's an MD program. And I think it's the TCU-UNT, mm -hmm. uh, UNT-HSC program. So you're not going to find it on TMDSAS. That will be exclusively through AMCAS. So as we've mentioned already, there are three different application systems, ACOMAS for DO schools, AMCAS for MD schools, and TMDSAS for Texas med schools. So I'm going to speak more on ACOMAS because that was more so my primary focus both times that I applied, Iman will go more into TMDSAS and Zelik will go more into AMCAS. So for ACOMAS, like I said, it's a, a application system that you use for all the DO schools in the US. So just like every other application system, you will update your classes that you've taken, the grades that you got in each of those classes, your extracurricular activities, and so on. Just basic like information that like, you know, all med schools need to have about you. And from there, you basically get to go through and select the schools that you want to apply to, and they'll be added to your list. So once you do that, it is a little bit tedious. And I think this goes for, I know this goes for TMD SAS as well, not sure about AMCAS, but for each school that you add, you do have to go in and from your transcript or from your audit that you have from your undergrad, you will basically, uh, ACOMAS will give you, you know, like, which of these courses, which of your courses fulfill the bio credit, which of your courses fulfill your English credit, and so on. So you'll go through, you'll add in the, uh, you'll also add in the grades yourself. Uh, so it is a lot of back and forth, but you know, once you do it, it's there and it's done. Oh, speaking of the grades that Shreya was saying, entering yourself, there is um, an option for you to pay extra for them to input it themselves. But I just want to let you know that they will put in the grades, but you still have to go in afterwards and check that everything's okay. So like it, it would be better for you to just put your grades in yourself rather than waiting because they do take a couple weeks to put your grades in. Yeah, that is a really good point. I think that uh, something else to add is with these different application systems, when they are calculating your GPAs, some of them take into account the plus minus system if your school had that. I want to say that ACOMAS 
took into consideration the plus minus. So if you had an A minus, it goes in as an A minus. It does not go in as an A. Yeah, that's something to also keep note of. And so that's why like when you, you know, finally hit submit and your application is sent, you'll see the GPA that's calculated through the system. And it may be different from your transcript GPA. Don't worry, it's just how they um, process the grades. When you're first filling out your ACOMAS application and you're inputting your classes, you're updating your transcripts, your letters of rec, uh, your activities, basically for the activity section, they will give you a very limited character count in which you gave a basic gist of, you know, an overarching idea of what it is you did in those activities and how many hours you did that activity for. So again, once you've done all that, you've added schools to your list that you're interested in and want to apply to. Then you go in and the tedious work begins where you're basically matching up the school's requirements to classes you have taken um, up until you know where you're applying. And once you've done that, that's basically considered your primary, but every school is different. There are some schools where before submitting, they will have one or two questions. Some schools have like five to seven extra questions, um, just basic stuff about, you know, why us, why our school, uh, a meaningful activity for you, a someone, you know, some, one of your professors in your undergrad experience that, you know, changed your perspective on something, just like depending on the school, questions like that. Not every school will have it. Some schools are very straightforward where you upload your classes, hit submit, you're done with that school. Other schools, not so much. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is certain schools have multiple campuses. Uh, the ones I can think of off the top of my head are VCOM, PCOM, and LECOM. All three of these schools have multiple campuses, and for each campus, you have to add it separately because I remember for PCOM specifically for their South Georgia location and their Philadelphia location, uh, they had separate questions pertaining to that particular school or campus. So that's another thing to keep in mind. And once you've gone through all of that, you send your primaries through. And unlike TMDSAS, which Iman will touch on, it's not one total fee. Each school is like $60, $80. And I remember when I was adding my schools to my list, I was like paying $700, $800 just to send in my primaries. Um, so definitely keep that in mind because applying to medical school is expensive. Also, be smart about where you're applying to. Be broad, but be smart. Those are two things to keep in mind. So bouncing off of what Shreya said about um, being smart on what medical schools you're choosing, make sure you're choosing schools that are well within the reach of your MCAT um, and your GPA. So look at the average MCAT and GPA of each school and apply to those accordingly because there are so many medical schools and if you go to apply to all of them it will cost you a lot of money and also a lot of them may screen your application for mcat and gpa so just keep that in mind when you're applying and i also wanted to add you want to make sure that the schools that you're applying to don't have state biases because sometimes they want they prefer to have students from their own state or give preference to students from their own state. There are also some schools that give preference to students from neighboring states. So just look into that. I think you can find stats online for how many in-state or out-of-state applicants they accept into their class. That data is available online if you search for it. 
Yeah, I think the top two schools or programs that come to mind with these in-state biases are Texas, for sure. All Texas schools will, um, you know, they prefer in-state residents. And also P&W, the Pacific Northwest, they really want people from that area. So that's also something, like Iman said, keep in mind, uh, be smart about where you're applying. So coming back to ACOMAS, uh, once you submit your primaries, um, you will get secondaries after that, which is just more questions, more essay, uh, short essay writing, basically. And depending on the school, some schools will screen for secondaries, which means that when you send in your primary application, they will look at your GPA and MCAT. And if it falls under their range or what they're looking for, you won't get a secondary. Other schools are automatic. You submit your primary, you will get a secondary. And again, keep in mind, you have to pay for secondaries for each school that you're submitting to. Price ranges are all over the place. So just, you know, expect to be hit with another charge for your secondaries for each school. Yeah, that's pretty much the AACOMAS application system. It's relatively straightforward. And if you guys have any questions about the system and you're applying right now or you're thinking about applying in the upcoming future, you know, shoot us a DM, send us an email at thedoctorsays@gmail.com, and all of us would be more than happy to answer your questions. So now I'm going to hand it over to Iman so she can talk more about the TMDSAS application system. Yeah, so as Shreya mentioned, I did apply twice, and my main focus was the TMDSAS application system, especially since I am a Texas resident. And for Texas state schools, uh, there's a rule where 90% of their student population has to be uh, from Texas. With TMDSAS, I know that the applications open up on May 2nd, at least this year. In 2022, it opened up May 2nd. and the earliest that you could submit it was May 16th. So basically the dates are going to range around that same time for the next few years. So yeah, Iman brings up a good point with the dates. I forgot to mention this when I was talking about AACOMAS, but the application will open at the beginning of May, usually the first week, and you can submit your application at the end of May. So they basically do that to give you a couple of weeks to go in and put in your classes upload your letters of rec, do all the initial information stuff, and then, you know, around May 28th, 25th, whatever the date is, you can actually go in and send those applications out to the school. And what's important about the timing is med school applications are considered on a rolling basis. So the earlier you apply, the better your chances. That's not to say that, you know, if you apply in July or August, you you're not going to get in anywhere. It's just your chances are better when you apply sooner. So that's also a really important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, and as Shreya mentioned, in regards to what goes into the primary application and how it's set up, TMDSES is pretty much the same. Uh, you're going to have to write your main essay about why you want to go into medicine or why you want to become a physician. There's going to be that you need to go over your extracurricular activities. And the way that they divide up the extracurricular activities is you're going to have ones that are clinical and non-clinical and talk about those. And then you also have to discuss three most meaningful activities that you've had and highlight, uh, and highlight those. What I've noticed is during my interviews, 
interviewers have asked me about those activities, about my most meaningful activities, and asked me to expand on it. So that's something to look out for. And of course, um, along with that, you have to add on your letters of recs, which is standard across all of the application systems. So again, just to do a little recap, you're going to submit your main essay about why you want to become a doctor or why you want to go into medicine. You're going to go over your extracurricular activities. You will submit your letters of rec, and you will also put in your grades. So the thing that is different about TMDSAS is that when you're submitting your primaries, you don't have to pay a separate fee. It's just all one fee together. There's that. And then the unique thing about TMDSAS, which is only for Texas residents, is that we follow the match system. So basically the way that match works is that let's say that you interviewed at a school. If the school really likes you, they will send you a pre-match. The earliest date to receive a pre-match offer is October 15th, and that's standard. And you can get pre-match offers up until I want to say February is the last date where you can get a pre-match offer. And basically, that's just an early acceptance from a school saying that, hey, we really like you and we're giving you an early acceptance. And this is non-binding. You can accept the pre-match offer and say, okay, I'd like for you to hold my spot. Then during the first week of March, you're going to go through the match system. The way that the match system works is you will rank from 1 to 12, 13, or however many schools you've interviewed at, and they will rank you on their system. If you guys match on March 5th or during that first week of March, you will find out on match day if you have been accepted to a school. Once you have been accepted to a school, if it was your top choice, you are withdrawn from all other schools below that. So it can open up spaces for other students. If let's say you got into your third choice, you will get accepted there and then you will automatically, usually automatically, some schools don't, but for the most part, you're automatically placed into a wait list for the schools that you ranked above to see if you can move off or, you know, if you can get a spot if somebody decides to withdraw or go to a different school. The thing is with pre-matches, if you have pre-matched to a school and let's say you ranked as number one, since you've already been accepted there, you will match to that school because you have already been accepted. If let's say you ranked your pre-match school second and you got accepted into your top choice instead, your admission is automatically withdrawn from that pre-match school and you are now admitted to your for first choice and that's it. And that's where you'll end up going. After that, you just need to fill out the acceptance letter and say that, yes, I accept and I will be attending the school. And if the school has any, um, if they have any fee for you to join the school just to secure your spot, you have to put that in the deposit fee and then um, smooth sailing from there. But basically the match system is just to see if you're a good match for the school. And also it really opens up spots for people with the wait list and just creates a good fit between the student and the school. Uh, the other thing that I want to add is now on the application system, we have Baylor, 
before Baylor was not a part of TMDSAS. It was exclusively through AMCAS. So there's that. And with this new application cycle in um, for 2022 to 2023, we have UT Tyler. Something to keep in mind for those that are using TMDSAS is that UT Tyler, Dell, UTRGV, and UH are known to have the smallest class sizes. It's around like 50 students. Uh, so they are pretty picky with uh, who they're sending out their secondaries to and um, interview invites. I know Dell and UH screen for secondaries, so they don't send it out to everybody. They look at your MCAT, your GPA, and just if you align with their mission statement before they send it out to you. That's all that I have for TMDSES. If you have any other questions, feel free to reach out through Instagram or our Gmail. And Zalak will just uh, take it away and talk about the AMCAS application system. Yes, so I did both the MCAS and the ACOMAS application. Um, the MCAS application system, like both Shreya and Iman mentioned, it's the same process of putting in those extracurriculars, your grades, your uploading your personal statement, your letters of rec. So in your activities section, MCAS also gives you the opportunity to note which of your experiences were the most meaningful and you have more space to write about them. So like Iman mentioned, um, TMDSAS also has that. And with that, you really want to hone in on those because reviewers will look at those in more detail than the other activities. With this application system, you also add all the schools at once. And when you submit, the app gets sent to all schools. It's not one fee, but they'll add, um, they'll add like $60, $70 per school that you add to your total fee. So the first initial fee is about 100 something. And then from there, they will charge you for every additional school. After you submit your app, say you decide that you want to apply to another school, you can add schools after. And that includes, that's the same for both all three application systems. So usually it's recommended that you at least add one school and you submit your application because when you submit early on, it does take a few weeks to process the application. So after your op application has been processed and verified, that's when you will receive your secondaries. So it's important to at least get that app through and verified. You can always add schools later. Shreya mentioned how important it is to apply early, and that's something that is kind of different for me personally. I didn't apply early, which I, again, also talked about earlier on in the episode, but um, it is recommended to apply early just because the medical schools will look at applications that are sent earlier first versus later. It really makes a difference when you apply. And another thing is all three of the application systems, they all allow you to update your grades and activities if needed. So when I started my primaries, I wasn't in the program. And even when I submitted my primaries, which was late in September, October, I didn't have the grades for my fall semester. So when my fall semester grades did come out, I was able to go in to the system and update them. And I was also able to add activities that I did. So you can't change the activities that you already have put on the application, but you can go in and add them. Another thing is after the pandemic, they added a COVID-19 question and it talks about how COVID impacted you and your application process. You don't have to answer that question, but if you want to, you can feel free to do that. Also with letters of rec, same thing. You can add them after you submit your application and you can also submit your application without any letters of rec. So you don't need those to get your app verified. 
So if you're waiting on a letter of recommendation, go ahead and submit your app and then add it later. But it is recommended that you have the letters of recommendation in, especially before you submit your secondaries. And like I mentioned, the verification process, especially early on in the cycle, does take a few weeks. In those few weeks, you should be looking at secondary responses from previous years and looking at the Student Doctor Network Forum or even Reddit to see what questions have already been asked in the past so you can prepare for your secondaries because once they all come flooding in it's going to be really hard to do it without any prior knowledge of you know like what kind of questions they could ask so zelik mentioned you know going on sdn going on reddit to see previous year's questions which is totally fine but also use caution when on sdn mm -hmm. because there are people on there that you know to put it very frankly shouldn't be posting what they post it's like scare tactics and they're just so negative and there's no point in putting that kind of energy out there so don't get too caught up in sdn and reddit it's very easy all three of us did it you know once we submitted our secondaries and we we're waiting for interviews and you know people on sdn will be like i submitted my primary and secondary on these dates and received my interview on this date and then, you know, if you happen to fall in that range and you haven't received an invite yet, then you start freaking out mm -hmm. and you just, yeah. you know, it's just downhill for your mental health from there. So definitely exercise caution when on these forums, because while they are helpful, you know, there's always the other side. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, we, we are all avid <laughs> SDN followers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, SDN has been very helpful, but at the same time, it really like you need to be careful because you don't want to be discouraged like don't get discouraged throughout this process because it is hard and it is long and sometimes there is a long waiting game with it but you know just like keep going keep doing what you're doing as long as you're submitting everything in a timely manner and you have everything done that's all you can do you know so just have faith in yourself and don't get discouraged by what other people are saying so the next topic we're going to discuss is when to get your letters of rec and when to start writing your personal statement. So in regards to letters of recommendation, the overall general gist is that you want two science professors and one non-science professor and or a physician letter. Now the physician letter, usually it varies from school to school. Some schools recommend it, some schools require it. So I remember when I was applying through a COMAS, which is, you know, for DO schools, some schools were like, we can take an MD's letter of recommendation as well. That will suffice. I know a couple other schools were like, we need a DO physician's uh, letter of recommendation. So again, very school to school, just uh, look more into the schools that you're applying to so you know what you need. And, you know, a little asterisk, I guess, PS for when you're applying to DO schools, definitely, if you can, obtain experience shadowing a DO doctor because I think especially for DO schools it will show them why osteopathic medicine and it also shows that you know you have interest in it and you're putting yourself in that field to learn more about it. Circling back to your LORs the requirements are more or less the same very school to school and now when it comes to you know asking for these letters of recommendation if you are looking to apply early in the cycle and you know have your stuff in by the time the date rolls around where you can submit your application a really good time to start asking for LORs would be early in the spring semester 
So January, February is a really good time to start reaching out to professors that you know you believe can write a substantial letter of recommendation for you. And the reason we advise like doing it so early is because professors tend to have a lot on their plates. And I know all of us had to kind of remind our professors or the physician, you know, one or two times to be like, hey, just checking in, is the letter done? And they were like, oh, actually, no, but thank you for reminding me, I'll get on it. And then they, you know, get it done. So definitely reach out early enough to where you're not scrambling last minute because time is of the essence when it comes to applying to medical school. And you want to have all your stuff in order so you're not like pulling your hair out on top of everything else that's going on with the application cycle. So I know that uh, so so I know between the three of us, we all had different professors kind of write our letters of recommendation. So for me, uh, when I was applying to TMD SAS, I had two science professors and the MD doctor that I shadowed. But when I was applying to a COMAS schools, I submitted two science professors letter of recommendation the MD or DO, depending on what the school required, but I definitely submitted the DO's letter everywhere. And then I actually also had one of my business certificate professors and my speech professor write a letter of recommendation for me. And the reason I reached out to them specifically was because I felt like they could give a different aspect of who I was, you know, like, yes, science is our entire life throughout undergrad, but these were courses I took that were of my own interest. And so to have them speak on my behalf was something that I really wanted. And I'm super grateful to both of them for it. Yeah, I also, um, just like Shrey, I had two science professors. I had one non-science professor, and um, I also had an MD and a DO letter. Um, the DO letter I got a little bit later because of the whole program and um, how I met the DO physician. And so I didn't submit the DO letter for AMCAS because I had already submitted my primaries. I was working on my secondaries at that time. So I submitted the DO letter for ACOMAS. Um, and I think I had one other letter that was um, a non-science letter, but I can't remember at the moment. But yeah, just the, you know, the basic two science, one non-science physician. So this cycle I applied using TMDSAS and ACOMAS. So for TMDSAS, I had two science professors and two non-science professors. It is required to have at least two science professors and one non-science, and then the fourth is just an extra. So for that extra recommender, I used my Spanish professor. I think that was something unique because Texas does have a large Hispanic population, so I thought it was cool having my Spanish professor write the letter for me. So for Acomas, I had two science professors, one non-science, and for this one, I didn't include my Spanish professor. I instead had an MD write my letter of rec for the physician letter requirement. I still received multiple interview invites and multiple acceptances with the MD letter. I think what helped me was I had DO shadowing experience and I worked with a DO physician in a clinical setting. It is strongly recommended to have that experience and it usually is recommended to also have a DO physician write your letter, but you can get away with an MD writing your letter. Just be careful to which schools you're applying because some schools are more strict than others. I do know because of COVID, schools were lenient about this, but 
be sure to look into the school's requirements. So another thing about letters of recommendation, you can upload them directly into the application system or you can use something called Interfolio. So on Interfolio, you can send the request out directly to whoever you want to get your letter from. Obviously, it's important to email them first, you know, just asking for a letter. And if they agree to it, then go through Interfolio and then they'll upload it directly on there. And then Interfolio will send out the letters to any application system that you want it sent to. On Interfolio, you put the date that you want the letter by and what they'll do is they'll send reminders out to the person who's writing your letter of recommendation for you. So they submit it in a timely manner. Usually, um, I would give them at least two weeks to get the letter of recommendation in, but you know, as much time as you can give them is best. So the next topic we will be discussing is when to start writing your personal statement and just give you tips and tricks on what to do and what to avoid. Just a little PSA for personal statements. You might go stir crazy. I know I did. I think I went through like five different drafts writing mine. And it was just, you know, after a certain point, you're like, how can I formulate these same thoughts in a way that's like not redundant, not boring? Because this is like the first impression that ad comms are getting of you. And so my personal advice to anyone writing a personal statement, show your voice, be creative. Don't be afraid to, you know, have fun with it. Like I literally talked about a pazuki within the first few sentences of my personal statement. So, you know, have fun with it. It's it's stressful. You want to stand out from like the thousands and thousands of other students also applying, but you will get through it. Yeah. So Shreya saying don't go stir crazy. Um, I applied late, right? So I when I decided to apply, I didn't really have much time because it was later. So I had to write my personal statement in like a week or two. So stir crazy was literally how I was feeling. And I remember I wrote my first first or second. No, it was my first draft. And I was like super happy. I was like, yes, I like finished something. And I sent it to Shreya and she goes, I don't like it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. Let me just delete everything and restart. Um, but she truly helped me create the best personal statement I could in two weeks. And obviously, I, I mean, I, I got into medical school. So um, her advice really helped a lot on what to do and what not to do for a personal statement. Um, so I think the biggest advice I would give is make sure you have a theme, like center your personal statement around something that's important to you and something that resonates with you because it is personal but you don't want to be bragging about stuff you know you just want to be you want to sound genuine so it is very hard to do that in writing in terms of like how many characters you also have a character limit so you can't just write about anything and everything you know so picking a theme and choosing like two or three events that you've experienced any clinical experience that you've had volunteering shadowing any personal experiences that you have that go along with that theme is the best way to start in my opinion yeah and i think another thing that's really important and it's very easy to forget when you're writing is show don't tell you do not want your personal statement to be a basically an essay form of your resume right like you want to pick those two or three valuable experiences that you had and not only do you want to talk about it 
you want to really show what you did. How did this experience reinforce why medicine? Why, you know, why in the field of healthcare? You want to talk about what you did, how this experience was valuable to you, and not so much just I stood in the corner, you know, this doctor was really innovative and inspiring and like, great. We, yeah, we always have those figures in our lives, but what did you do? It's very easy to forget it. And that's why we also went through multiple drafts because we kept telling, not showing. I also think another important question to answer is not just why healthcare, why medicine, but why do you want to be a physician? Because the realm of healthcare is huge. You know, you can do business healthcare, you can do healthcare IT, you can do healthcare consulting, you can do so many things in healthcare. So make sure you specifically answer the question, why do you want to be a physician? Yeah, good point. I think one last thing I want to add is, yes, we did have to go through multiple drafts. But I think something that I learned was try to limit how many people you're having revise your personal statement because everybody's going to have something different to say or add and then you're just going around in circles trying to improve trying to make everybody happy with your personal statement maybe limited to one or two people that you trust will help guide you with writing your essay and just stick to their ideas or you know stick to their advice and their suggestions and then at a point you have to stop make it your final final uh, essay and submit because there's always room for improvement with essays with writing there's always room for improvement but at a point you have to hit submit so just be careful yeah that's a really good point because um something my mentor or the person that was my go-to when i was writing my personal statement told me was i could be applying a couple of years from now and between now and that time i will have changed my personal statement a lot so Yes, the final draft that you send out is like the one you're happy with, but don't like it's it's I don't want to sound discouraging, but you may not feel 100% satisfied because you're like, oh, this could be better, but this could be better. Like Iman said, there's always room for improvement, but at a certain point, you have to know when enough is enough. I think the main thing is being happy with your personal statement. As soon as you feel like you have written a good personal statement and you are ready to submit it, submit it. Don't mm -hmm. go, don't go back and reread it and be like, okay, wait, I need to look at details. Cause then you're going to be like, no, actually I don't like it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know? So as soon as you have that feeling of this is good, I'm ready, do it. I also wanted to add that when you are writing your personal statement, don't write about all of your extracurriculars or don't try to put in as many experiences as you can find two or three and hone in on those because you will get the opportunity to talk about experiences more in detail with your secondaries um more than you've already done so in your primary applications yeah that's a really good point that zelik made because if you just like list out everything in the personal statement and come secondaries you're not going to have anything like new to talk about and so that's also something to really keep in mind. And when it just comes to advice for personal statements, tips, uh, if you want someone to read it over, all three of us are more than happy to help you guys with it. Um, I'm more than happy to share my personal statement if anyone just wants to get an idea of what a personal statement looks like. And I think I can say the same for Zalak and Iman. So any questions with personal statements, please don't hesitate to reach out to any of us. 
So now I'm going to hand it over to Iman to talk a little bit more about secondaries, when to submit them, how to write them, and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, so with secondaries, these are just additional questions to see how you fit with the school. And basically, you want to make sure that you are giving enough time and effort into these questions because this will be a deciding factor on whether or not you are getting an interview. Usually, after seeing your secondaries, taking into consideration your letters of rec, your primary, and your grades, is when the admissions committee decides, okay, well, maybe we want to see them for an interview and see how they are in person and have a conversation with them. So with secondaries, you usually want to submit them within two weeks max. Uh, personally, I know that me and Shreya, we submitted them within three to five days. And especially since we were reapplicants, we already had an idea of what we wanted to say for certain questions. And Personally, I just reused some of my answers. I just copied and pasted and adjusted the timeline for a few things. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to add was once you send in your primaries, it takes some time for it to get verified. So I think it's really smart to use that week or two to look up the school's secondary questions and kind of start pre-writing them so that when you get that secondary, when it is sent to you, you basically already have it done. And if you can, I know I submitted a couple of my secondaries within 24 hours, just because I already had it written. And similar to Iman, I did reuse some of my answers. I did gain some new experiences in the year that, you know, between the two years that I applied. So for some questions, I completely started from scratch and talked about a new experience I had. Uh, but for others, I also just copy pasted and changed the timeline. So it is different, you know, per applicant. Uh, but timeliness for secondaries, I think, is the most important thing. And you, you know, you want to be on top of your game because this is this is that little barrier between you and an interview invite. You know, it just brings you one step closer to getting that acceptance. Definitely be very timely with the submission of your secondaries. So usually for secondaries, you want to talk about the experiences from your primary and connected back to the school's mission statement is usually the common theme. And the last thing that I want to add is you have to be concise. Secondaries, uh, some of them are like 100 words, or some are as long as 750 words. It really depends on the school that you're applying to. But for a majority of the programs that you're submitting your secondaries to, it's just short, sweet, and to the point. Yeah, and you think like, oh, 300 words is a lot, but then you start typing and you're not even halfway done with what you want to say and 300 words are done. So being concise is really, um, it's not easy. It's definitely a challenge. Don't be like expanding or repeating or saying things yeah. in different ways just to fill the character count because they will mm -hmm. see that. And that's usually yes. not, you know, not really, it doesn't really look good. Yeah, Adcom, they're going through thousands of applications. They just want to read and get the message. Okay, so now we've reached the stage where you have submitted your secondaries and yay, we received an interview invite. So what next? So learn from my mistake. And when I look back at it and I'm about to say it out loud, it sounds so stupid and I can't believe I didn't do it. 
prep for your interviews. I don't know why. I had no reason to be so confident, but I was like, I got this. I love talking to people. I love being social. This interview will come naturally to me. I didn't get in anywhere even after getting interviews my first time around. So clearly, your girl could have used some prep. So that is definitely something I changed the second time around. And I prepped for my interviews. So sometimes you can find previous year's interview questions online as well. What I did was I stood in front of a mirror. I practiced with Iman. I practiced with Zalag. Just basic questions. Because even the simplest question, like why medicine? If you can't eloquently answer that, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. So a huge thing that I noticed with interviews for me was that I felt like I was rambling. But the second time around, uh, my friends pointed out that, hey, you've already said what you needed to say, so you can stop. And enforcing that in my interview prep and my actual interviews I saw a huge change. You know, the previous year I had zero acceptances and now I was sitting with multiple acceptances. So interview prep is very, very, very important. I think for me, one of my biggest mistakes my first time round was that I submitted my secondaries pretty late, like four weeks after getting them. And because of that, I received interview invites very late and it just kind of hindered the entire process for me the second time round i submitted my secondaries like i mentioned within a couple of days and i even submitted my primary application super early i had everything done really fast and i started getting um i started i had my first interview in august and i basically went august september and october with interviews and i was done and i had multiple acceptances by then so biggest thing is apply early, try to submit your secondaries as soon as possible. And like Shreya said, definitely look through SDN or Reddit for past interview questions and try to see how you would answer them. Uh, something that I did was I would write down my answers and then see how I would um, rephrase it or just make it better. And by writing and also saying it out loud, it was in my head. So if somebody asked me the question, I had an answer ready. And something else that I would add about interviews is you don't want it to seem rehearsed uh, just enough mm -hmm. where, yes, you have a good idea, like maybe make bullet points of your answers. And then while you're talking, it's just a dialogue. It's a conversation with your interviewer. I worked with my uncle a lot. He's a doctor. He's a geriatrician. So I'd be on the phone with him and he would be asking me questions and we'd go back and forth. Um, I did that my first time round too. But like I said, I think the biggest thing for me, my first cycle was submitting things late and then it just didn't work in my favor. But since I was early this year on, I had like maybe five times as many interviews as the first cycle. So timing plays a key role. So for my interview experience, personally, the thing that helped me the most was doing mock interviews. Shreya and Iman both helped me with mock interviews. And when Iman did the mock interviews, I'm not going to lie, the first time I was scared. Like, we've been friends for years, but she's sitting there like, hi, welcome to your interview. Um, I'll be asking this. Like, literally sounded like an admissions committee member. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> like, Iman's on the screen. 
and I was nervous. Like I was shaking. I was not like I wasn't doing well in the interview, in the mock interview. But um, she definitely helped me out with that. And I was able to overcome my nervousness because of the way that she was doing the mock interviews. So just practicing one on one in person was very helpful. Your first interview is going to be your hardest interview for sure, because that's your first one. You haven't experienced anything. But after you've had your first interview, the next one is going to be easier. Uh, something I will say is that MMIs will always be hard. So MMI stands for multiple mini interviews. And basically you're going to, for example, um, you'll have 10 different stations. 10 different people are going to interview you. Uh, they're going to ask you a question and you have two minutes to answer that question and they might ask you a few uh, follow-up questions and that's it. And then you move on to the next station. I think that MMIs are pretty hard because sometimes they just give you an ethical situation and usually with ethical situations, there aren't any right or wrong answers. It's just how you feel and how you would handle that situation and it just varies on the person. And I think it can also uh, depend on what your interviewer thinks about that question or what they may think is right or wrong. Yeah, I agree with Iman. Um, I had one MMI interview and I thought that it was super hard. I personally really liked the other interviews where it was more conversational, where I felt like the interviewers were trying to get to know me versus asking me like ethical questions and, you know, dilemmas. So it was about what my experiences are and why I want to be a physician. You've made it. You have caught the school's interest. They are interested in you, you know, like you've already showed your interest by applying. Now, they, when they extend an interview invite, what they're saying is, we potentially see you as a good fit for our school. This interview is, I think, a really good mindset to have going into it is they just want to get to know you. They know your scores. They know your numbers. They know all of that. This is a chance for you to show you know, your personality, who you are, and really why medicine, why a doctor, and why you've dedicated so much of your life and you will continue to dedicate your life to this profession. So um, I know that was a second time around when I was applying again and getting interview invites. That was the mindset I kind of adopted that, hey, the school has an interest in me you know, and that really kind of calmed my nerves. It brought a little bit of confidence into me because I was like, I've made it this far. I get to just talk to them and be human, be real. Don't be robotic with your answers. And one thing I noticed with all of my interviews um, that was different from the year before was that it was a lot more conversational. I wasn't so tense. I wasn't like, what is it that they want to hear? I was just being, I was just talking about you know, I was answering the question, of course, but I was just trying to be as real about it as I could be. And if there was something in that situation I didn't like, I was candid about it. And I think that worked in my favor. So it's that last step. You're almost there. Like this is the, you know, the final like seal the deal type moment. So as nerve wracking as it may be, just know you have earned that position. You know, you've gone from thousands of applicants to being shortlisted to one of the few hundred that are being offered an invite. So you got this, like you have it in you. And I think that's something very important to constantly remind yourself of. Please don't be discouraged if you aren't accepted after your interview. It is a difficult process. And 
just continue to be you, continue to improve your application, and just give your best whenever you do apply. Everything happens for a reason. That is what I believe and what we all believe. So 100%. Yeah. Do not stress yourself out more with this already stressful process. So you had your interviews and maybe you got accepted, which which is amazing. So when you do get accepted, you for ACOMAS especially, you have to put in a deposit. And for those deposits, there are deadlines. Putting in the deposit basically saves your seat. It's not binding. So say a few months later, you do get into another school that was um, that's closer to home or something that or a school that you would go to over the other one that you were already accepted to. You can give up your seat at the other school. However, you will lose the deposit. So we've talked about, you know, you got an interview invite, you got accepted. Now what? But it would be wrong of us to not talk about the other side of it, which is you have made it to interviews, but you don't get an acceptance from anywhere or you're waitlisted and you're just waiting to hear, uh, you know, waiting to see if you get off the waitlist. This was a reality that me and Iman faced. And I'm honestly glad we kind of went through it together because it was hard. Um, rejection is never easy. And especially when you've put so much time, effort, and money into this only for it to like blow back on you and it doesn't work out. Um, like Iman said, she was really frustrated. I mean, we both were frustrated. And when she expressed to me that she was thinking about quitting and, you know, pursuing something else, I was like, I've known you for, you know, four years, five years now. There's, and I know you, like, there's no, I know this is your passion. This is something you want to do. And as your friend, as your best friend, I will not just let you give up on it so easily. And we were there to, you know, support each other, give each other the pep talks when the other person needed it. Zelak helped out so much, even though she hadn't gone through the cycle. She's still, you know, being a pre-med, knowing that this was something she was going to do, having her there was also a really big help. And it took us some time to kind of regroup and, you know, figure out what our next steps were. I ended up taking the MCAT again. Uh, Iman didn't. So that was one thing we did differently. And I used my time to just seek out new opportunities. I finally shadowed a DO physician in that time. And, you know, it obviously all worked out in the end, but initially going through that is not easy. So please be sure that you're not going through it alone. Uh, definitely have an emotional support system around you, regardless of if they're premed or not. You just need someone in your corner to remind you that rejection is a part of life, failure is a part of life. And me and Iman learned a lot from it, not only about how to improve our application the second time around, but also just like personal growth and really learning how to bounce back from something of that caliber. Because another thing that us as, you know, South Asian women with, uh, and both of us are older siblings, our parents don't know what the process is like. So as tough as it is for us, it's tough for them too. And I know being our parents, they want to support us. They, they won't always be disappointed in your face, but obviously sometimes it shows that's just reality. And so learning how to deal with that, cope with that, and not let that get to your head and, you know, negatively affect your life and your next decisions. Um, 
So this is definitely something that me and Iman, you know, have experience with. And if you're going through it, if you ever find yourself going through it, you know, we're here for you and we would love to help out in any way possible. Yeah. Resiliency is a very important trait to have as a physician. And both of you really, really showed that through having to apply the second time and not just like not doing anything for the rest of the year and trying again. You guys worked on improving your application and did stuff and added stuff to it, which in the end worked out in your favor. So I didn't apply twice, but I think the biggest advice that I would give to anyone is if you do have to apply again, make sure you're not just sitting around for the year, you know, like do something that shows that you're still interested in being a physician and you are going to keep trying. And that's something both Iman and Shreya did. And I truly applaud them for that because they went through it and they, they came out the other end and here they are going to medical school. So super proud of both of you um so one thing though um if you are on the wait list uh now iman will talk about when is a good time to give up on the wait list and exactly how to navigate you know being in that position so for the wait list people can still get off the wait list up until the first day of classes so towards the end of april is when i started to ask my professors for letters of recommendation and Something that I did differently this time around was I asked professors that knew me on a personal level rather than just asking any random professor that would say yes for a letter of rec. I think that made a huge difference with my application. And then uh, when the apps opened up in May, I started uh, working on them ASAP, filling out the primaries, and I tried my best to submit it by uh, the end of May, so as early as possible. Last time, I submitted my information in July, and then I submitted my secondaries late in August. So I think the biggest things for me that I changed was submitting my application early, having strong letters of recommendation, and also having that clinical experience. Honestly, if you don't get accepted, it's not the end of the world. It feels like it. I know it feels like it, but it's not. They value reapplicants because it shows resilience. Seeing that you've done things to improve your application and you're not wasting your gap year is very important. It just shows that you're a serious candidate. And I also noticed that on some of my secondaries, they ask you if you are a reapplicant and what you did in that year. So they do like to see that you've done stuff. So I think that brings us to the end of our application cycle episode. I hope we were able to shed more light on what med school application looks like and, you know, our personal experiences, what we went through. And like always, if you have any questions, anything you want to ask us, please feel free to DM us on Instagram at the doctor says or email us at the doctor says at gmail.com. Like we always say, we're here for you guys and we're always more than happy to, you know, answer your questions, shed more light, share more of our personal experience because there's only so much we can uh, talk about, you know, because we don't want to make the episode way too long. So if you want to know more details and really get into the nitty gritty stuff, then please, please, please reach out because, you know, we're here for you guys. Yeah, and I want to thank all of you for listening in, and I really hope that this does help and that all of our episodes have helped you because that is our main goal, you know, to be real with you guys and just be there for you. So 
you guys are our main priority and we love you for listening yeah uh hopefully a season two will be coming next year yes i know it's a little bit far from now but our goal with season two is to just really reflect on the first year of medical school the ups the downs the ins the outs everything we've learned so please keep an eye out for that and we will you know we'll be active on social media throughout all of this um and giving like real real-time updates on instagram and you know any other platform so definitely keep an eye out for that and of course if you have anything that you want us to cover in a later episode please let us know so we can discuss that and like Shreya and Zalak have said, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Uh, we just hope that we can help at least one person out because it is such a difficult process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is very bittersweet for us. We have had a great time and can't believe we actually finished our first season. So <laughs> proud of all of us for doing this and sticking through with it. It was super exciting, honestly. It's something that I feel like brought us all closer to. And med school is going to be really tough. So like having this as something that keeps us in touch will be really nice too. Yeah, I still remember the first time, the first night that we sat down to record when it when it was, you know, the time had come and we we were about to start. All of us were so like giddy and childlike we were literally sitting there like why are we so nervous like literally no one's looking at us we're just (laughs) talking to each other but like just the idea of this was going to be put out for anyone to listen to it just you know it was nerve-wracking but um it definitely got easier and you guys have been with us as we've like learned how to podcast so that's been super cool any feedback, like I mentioned um, at the beginning of the episode, that you want to give us for our next season, we are open to anything. Um, so feel free to let us know what we can improve on, what you like the most, um, what you want us to keep doing. And like Iman said, if there's anything specific that you want us to cover, please let us know. Because if we find time you know, in the middle of the semester where we're like, hey, we are all coincidentally free at the same time, let's do a little just like you know a random episode to put out we'll be more than happy to do that all right that's a wrap folks (laughs) we will see you all again for season two bye bye bye